All right, everybody. How are you? Awesome. Welcome to Park Hill Church together at home. And as you know, uh, first of all, my name is Evan Wickham. Um, if you are logged in and you're not part of Park Hill, welcome. So uh, this is our Sunday worship gathering. And I, f- I felt led to uh, talk to the leadership about kind of our teaching trajectory. We've been in 1 Corinthians for uh, the last couple of months. And while we absolutely believe God wants to speak to our church through 1 Corinthians, we also believe that um, in light of everything that's going on and all the questions that we have in this moment, we don't feel we could teach through 1 Corinthians like we want to, verse by verse, unpacking all the various issues there. For this moment, especially for Holy Week, we want to drill down really on one thing, and that's Jesus' response to the Father's will. Jesus responded to God obediently to journey through grief and loss. And he did this for us. And now he's filling us with his spirit to respond to the Father and walk through grief and loss. This coronavirus thing is causing ambient anxiety for all of us. I think it's safe to assume that whoever you are behind the camera right now, uh, I have the list of you as you speak over here. And... um, Uh, there's an ambient sense of loss and anxiety. And really what that is, is a form of grief. We're grieving loss and we're, we're seeing our dreams die. And Jesus is no stranger to this, especially this week. Palm Sunday, Jesus journeyed into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, knowing what he was in for. Death and loss and abandonment, and loss of relationships, and loss of possessions, loss of physical health, and yet he stayed obedient to the Father, and he led us into resurrection. But Holy Week, is, Holy Week isn't called Passion Week for nothing. Uh, passion uh, is rooted in the, ter- the phrase, uh, the idea of suffering. This is Suffering Week, and so it's no, I think it's no coincidence that we are being called to meet Jesus on his journey to the cross right now, and so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read... Um, a passage from Matthew. I told you all to turn there. And in Matthew 21, we see the story. So here it is. As they approached, as they approached Jerusalem, Matthew 21, verse 1, they came to Bethpage at the Mount of Olives. Jesus sent two disciples and said to them, go to the village ahead of you, and at once you'll find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them, bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, see your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Uh, The disciples went and did as Jesus instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt, placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd, here's the cue for the kids. So a very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road while others cut branches from trees. Go, yeah, go, go. Let's try that again. While, (laughs) While others cut branches from trees and spread them on the road. Woohoo! There they are, the actual palm branches, folks. And what did they say? What was the word? Hosanna. Hosanna. Good. There you saw it. All five kids involved today. Good. Um, so <laughs> they said, Hosanna, Hosanna, which means 
save. Hosanna means save. And the idea of uh, salvation means healing. It's the same Greek word, sozo. Save, salvation, also heal us, God. Bring this. This is what the people were crying out for. Um, And so Jesus rides into Jerusalem hearing cries for healing and salvation. Um, and so, so, so what I want to, I'm still laughing at the kids. So what I, what I want to focus on today, this is it, is that um, this day, Palm Sunday, usually in my mind, I picture Palm Sunday as this like triumphant, all good, no context, just rah, 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 Jesus, go be king. Um, but we often forget that this, this, this scene has a backdrop of massive grief, huge grief. The collective grief of all of Israel was being poured out in this moment. Um, Israel was exiled in their own homes. Uh, It was almost worse than being in a different country in exile because Israel was literally exiled in place in their homes. And their freedom to worship, their freedom to flourish, to live as the people of Yahweh in the land, it was all overshadowed by the violent Roman occupation that was everywhere. And Israel as a country had learned to collectively grieve. They were grieving in this moment. And what not even Israel was aware of in that moment is that that man riding on the donkey, the man we call our savior, and we cheer for him and we sing Hosanna, what we don't realize often in our minds is that that man, Jesus himself, was learning to grieve. And, learn, and learning to collect, to like move into his emotion with God. Jesus, the prophet said, as um, I believe it was Jaden who read, Jesus was, quote, a man of sorrows familiarized with grief. That's how the prophets talked about Jesus. He knew his own emotion. And uh, we often forget this. So from, from Job in the Old Testament, through the Psalms, all the way to Jesus, we have this very biblical, very clear call for the people of God to embrace grief and loss. And in doing so, we can actually enlarge our souls. So I don't know where you're at right now. I've found myself grieving these last three weeks. Um, Grieving the loss of physical relationships, grieving the loss of like certainty of money, um, Grieving the loss of church, like I don't, this was never my plan. Um, and whatever losses you're facing, maybe actual physical health, there's a, there's a strong biblical current where the people of God are, are required to learn to embrace grief and embrace loss and thereby enlarge their souls to be able to dish out the compassion and grace of God to others. Um, I don't know if you know some of the best people in our lives are those that have just been through hell and back. And the church is learning this along with the globe. A third of the world is locked down right now, exiled in place right now. And, and this is the world Jesus is coming into. And he himself is about to be exiled on the cross, feeling completely abandoned. Um, and so Thomas Merton famously said, you know, God is too real to be met anywhere other than reality. <laughs> and this is reality right now. Uh, God's not in the fantasy, like, uh, let's minimize the future, let's be optimistic, hopefully, no, God is in reality, uh, and he's in the grief, and we're in reality right now, and I, I believe if we don't, as a church, if we don't come to terms with our very real grief in this moment, 
then we'll be trying to interact with God and other people with unexpressed like grief constipation in our hearts and our hearts will turn hard and very little compassion will come out of us. Maybe you've already experienced this in the way you've interacted with your family as you're cooped up together or if you're alone or whatever. Um, Most of us detach and disconnect with our grief. That's what I tend to do. Uh, That's just the way we are. As 21st century Americans, we like the stocks to be rising and inflation to be happening and real estate to be going up and promotions to be right around the corner. Um, And none of that is happening right now. (laughs) Um, We're anxious about that. We've never quite been here before. And, and, and we hate, I hate it, you guys. I hate this, okay? Like I'm, this is, this is the grief sharing. I hate this. Um, and so either I'm gonna, you know, this is what we do. We either detach and disconnect from coronavirus and pretend it's not out there and, you know, um, medicate ourselves with you know, Netflix binging or, or substance or whatever, or, or, we just allow all the headlines to crush our spirit. So we either detach or we allow it to just overwhelm and crush us in despair. So, I mean, as a church leader, my tendency is to detach and go, okay, what can I do? What plans can I make to drive up the numbers, get more viewers on this YouTube live feed or whatever? And that is, that is resisting grief. Um, that's, that's me silencing what God wants to do in my heart. Um, it's a form of denial and detachment. Uh, uh, Jerry Sitzer, he's a professor up at Whitworth College in Spokane. And he, he's an incredible author who's been through unimaginable suffering. He was on a camping trip, and on, on the way to his camping trip, he got in a car accident, a drunk driver hit them. And his wife and mother and daughter all instantly died in this car accident. And, and the drunk driver, you know, he, he didn't even get indicted. He like got off without charges somehow. So, so just beyond thinkable pain. And, and he, wrote, he wrote several books. One of them, you know, I read in seminary, it's called uh, When God Doesn't Answer Your Prayer. And I highly recommend you read that book. And, and Jerry, he has this, he has this thing that he teaches his students, he takes them out to monasteries and he, and he quiets their heart and he teaches them grief and loss are meant to be absorbed consciously before God. Not unconsciously moved into compartments where we can detach or deny or despair, but to consciously grieve with our communities. And many of us, me included, are learning how to do that like for the first time in this way. One comforting thing is that we're all like, we've heard this a lot, we're all in this together, which is true, and that is comforting. But it doesn't make it any better. Um, so there's a biblical framework uh, that Pete Scazzaro is very helpful, very helpful in bringing this all into, into bite-sized chunks. And three things I wanna, I wanna leave you with. And then we're going to have bread and wine. We're going to break bread, and, and it's going to be great. Through the scriptures, we see three, three ways God's people deal faithfully with grief. Uh, number one, pay attention. And then number two, wait on God in the confusion. And then, only then, number three, let the old birth the new into resurrection. That's what we're doing in Holy Week. Um, following Jesus through Gethsemane to the cross, 
and then to resurrection. And so Job is a great example of this. Job, he paid attention to his feelings. You know the story of Job. Uh, the Lord somehow allowed uh, him to lose everything, his health, his family, his possessions. And then there's this moment in Job 6 where he says, if only my anguish could be weighed and all my misery be placed on scales, it would surely outweigh the sands of the seas. No wonder my words have been impetuous. The arrows of the Almighty are in me. My spirit drinks their poison. God's terrors are marshaled against me. Job is paying attention to his feelings in that moment in ways that we're like, oh, is that heresy? Like, how dare you blame God? No, these are authentic expressions of grief before God. He's paying attention. It's so different than like American culture. The West, we make light of our suffering, sarcasm, make a gif about it, minimize it or whatever. It's like, I'm fine. We don't actually have time for suffering. But the early church had this robust theology of suffering. We don't. We're stuck in denial. We, we medicate our pain. Um, I don't know if you saw, right after Governor Gavin Newsom put out the shelter-in-place order, um, pot, porn, and video game sales all just spiked uh, because uh, those are the medications du jour for our culture. They actually keep us immature. Pot, porn, and video games keep us more immature than anything else, um, debatably. But they all saw record spikes in this time. Let, let the church be different. Let God introduce you and familiarize you to grief. Speak it authentically with your community. Pay attention. Pay attention to what's going on inside and bring it into your community groups. It's unbiblical and inhuman to not pay attention to your losses. So, yeah, don't give in to the tendency to numb yourself. Um, here's, here's what I, I did this morning. I journaled the things that uh, I'm grieving about. Um, my, my, my family, like what kind of, what kind of world is my, my kid going to step into, my youngest going to step into kindergarten this, this fall? What kind of world is that um, going to be? And then I, you know, I grieved. Gavin's here. He, he graduated high school two weeks ago over Zoom in the garage. Like I kind of grieved that because, I mean, I'm, I graduated on a stage with cap and gown and people cheering and stuff. And he doesn't get that. Um, so I, I grieve, grieve my family. I'm, I'm grieving Park Hill. Like, I'm grieving the loss of physical presence. I'm actually writing these things down this morning. I'd encourage you to do that, to do that as well. Um, I'm grieving this, the uncertainty around finances, just to be authentic. Uh, I'm absolutely thankful for the salary I continue to receive, but the uncertainty around that makes me uh, grieve. The ambient anxiety is actually grief. And I need to be honest about that. I'm, I'm ang- anxious about people dying. Like right now people are gasping for air because of this virus. And even more are in fear, um, really giving into a spirit of fear. And God has so much more for them and I'm grieving that. Um, so that's just a short list. I would encourage you to make that list. Bring it to your community groups. Uh, bring it to your loved ones. Pay attention to your grief. And then once, once you pay attention to your grief, you can s- kind of step into number two which is uh, be, be content, learn to be content living in the confusion. Living in the confusion. Um, Christianity wasn't built to give all the why answers. Uh, there's this great article that N.T. Wright just put out called, um, he, he actually called it, uh, 
Christianity offers no answers about the coronavirus. It's not supposed to. And, and the point is, is that, yeah, our faith isn't supposed to explain why pandemics or suffering are happening. It's not about explaining. Our faith compels us not to explain, but to lament, to truly lament and to exist in the messy, confusing space in love for those who are hurting and fearful. We have to be honest about our, it's not like, oh, we're a beacon of hope. I've said this before. I'm, I'm kind of guilty of maybe, maybe doing this too much as a hopeful optimist, Anagram 7. I'm like, yeah, we're gonna be a beacon of hope. This is an amazing opportunity for the church. But only if we can grieve authentically and learn to feel the pains that we feel. Um, Eugene Peterson said, every time we persist with Job and reject the quick fix, we deepen our availability and our openness to revelation that can only come in the storm. The thing about Job is that his friends are trying to give him the quick fix. Maybe this is because of sin. Maybe this is because of judgment. Maybe you need to change your habits. And in the end, in the end of the story, God's like, you guys were not faithful. Job was faithful and all he did was throw up his arms. All he did was throw up his arms and say, Lord, I repent for even trying to give a why. Uh, when you are, it's, a, it's not a why, it's a who. And God is calling us to be his presence in the confusion. So that's number two. And then, well, practically, what does it look like to sit in the confusion? Uh, f- for me, I, bare minimum, bare minimum, I will not survive tomorrow, Monday, in the coronavirus era um, without 10 minutes a day of stillness with breathing, measured breathing and gratitude for who God is. And, and then daily time in the scriptures in some way, receiving the words from God as bread of life for me. I will not survive you know, leading my family, leading the church, being a Christian without, without that. And then um, daily prayer, one hour with the church, you guys. That has given me so much life. And consider this a church-wide call to this. This is bare minimum for spiritual survival in this time. One hour, noon, every day. And the huge bonus for me has been walking outside with my family. Like, that's a bonus. That's a great day for me. Um, so a lot of us, we were meeting with the, the community leaders yesterday. A lot of us are like, how, how do we... How do we serve? What do we do? I want to do something. I'm feeling disengaged. And I think there will be plenty to do, 100%, especially halfway through April. I think this is the calm before the real storm, the time before the crisis for many. But right now, let me challenge you to be okay not knowing what to do. To be okay not knowing what to do to feel the feelings you have, bring them to God in your community, and then exist in the confusion faithfully with your community. That brings us to the final phase. Once we go through paying attention and then existing in the confusion, then we can follow Jesus into resurrection and let the old dead seed birth the new thing that God is doing. We wanna like pass go and collect $200 to resurrection, which is why you know we're already... You know, there's no Good Friday candy. There's Easter candy. Um, we want to just get there, but, but that's not the way of spiritual maturity. That's not the way of Jesus. Jesus has this slow burn. Actually happened way before Palm Sunday. He knew he was going to die. He knew he was going to die. Uh, 
way beforehand when he was way up north and Peter's like, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus is like, okay, now that we've established that, just know this ends in death. And Peter was like, I'm not embracing that grief or loss. Far be it, Lord. And Jesus actually said, he said, get behind me, Satan. That's Satan's voice that's keeping you, Peter, from embracing the good thing I wanna birth in you through grief and through loss. And so that's really it. That's, that's really the, the, the word that I sense deeply we should, we should discuss all through Holy Week, what it looks like to follow Jesus through grief and through loss. Because otherwise, if we don't, we become rigid. We become um, unable to be compassionate. We lose our compassion um, and we become reactionary. God has something new for us. And here's the question. As you go through loss, as you've been losing income and connection and having just a rough time not knowing the future, do those deaths wreck you spiritually? Or are they vehicles through which Christ matures you and can make you someone great for him? That's a choice that we make. That's the choice that we make. It's a choice Jesus is gonna make at the end of this week in the Garden of Gethsemane where he's like, I feel bad. I'm grieved past the point of death. Come pray with me, yet Father, not my will. Is there any other way? At the end of the day, it's your will, Father. But can you just pray with me? This week is a, can you pray in the grief with me? Jesus wants to be there with us and as community. So we're gonna come to the bread and cup now. Thank you for your time and attention. Uh, I know this isn't the ideal way to, you know, listen to a sermon, but uh, I just believe God wants to enlarge our hearts in a big way. Um, Are you paying attention? Are you living in the mess? Then and only then can we let God lead us through to resurrection. So Heavenly Father, would you please, by your spirit, lead us. Lead us into honest grief that anxiety, that anger, underneath all of that is sadness and loss. We all deal with sadness and loss in different ways. And yet we have a perfect example in Jesus. May we go to Jesus. May we move toward one another. May we not hold back or explain away or minimize. I'm fine. May we not do that. We follow you to the cross. Thank you for your body and your blood. So if you have uh, bread and a cup or wine and bread or grape juice and cracker, however you roll, feel feel free to bring that to where you are in 60 seconds. And we're gonna eat and drink together. As, as a family. We're definitely gonna do this on Easter, so for sure be prepared for that. Uh, if you're not prepared now, no worries, but we're gonna, we're gonna lead in eating and drinking right now. Yeah, so Park Hill Church, this is a first for me. Um, but uh, Jake, you have the bread and the wine, Sandy. I'll share with you, Sandy, if you want. So we're gonna do this on Easter and Good Friday, but here we are at Palm Sunday at the front end of Holy Week. We're gonna pray together every day. We're gonna walk through grief together every day, and um, we're gonna be real about it. This, this meal was given 
by Jesus to his people the, the same day that he would go out and have really a panic attack, a nervous breakdown, a full-on sweating blood um, prayer session with the Father. And he did it alone. He asked for companionship. He asked for his community. His community abandoned him. We have the blessing of digital technology to not abandon each other. Let's not abandon each other in this moment. And before he went out to the garden, he, he held the bread and the cup, and he said, uh, this, this bread is my body broken for you. Eat it as often as you can, as often as you do, in remembrance of me. So let's remember Jesus in his, um, in his humanity. He is God with us. He was also a man familiar with sorrow and, and yet rejoicing, which is crazy. And so uh, this is for us. He's done it before. He's done it before ahead of us. So we're following him and do it. Let's eat the bread. And then uh, he took the cup and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Uh, and he threw in, next time I drink it, there's going to be a party. It's going to be the new heavens and new earth and every sad thing is going to come untrue and you will know the why and the who all at once. We're not privy to all the whys now. We don't have that information and we're not meant to. We are meant to have the who. We're meant to have his presence. And he is very present right here, right now, even over this camera in you in your room. Uh, he is present to you and he's present with you because of the promise he made. He said, this cup is the promise in my blood that I, he can't leave. He can't ever leave. He just won't leave. It's not in his nature. It's not in the cards. And, and so as you drink this, let it remind your body that he is in you and he's with you. And he shed blood and suffered so that we can suffer. We're suffering now. Um, so take and drink. This is the blood of Jesus poured out for you. <laughs> 